0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Desert Tones Podcast. Uh, My name is Jared, and I'm joined by my two best friends. Hey, it's Dylan. It's Joey. And this is, surprisingly, our fourth episode. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited to keep doing these. We have a lot of fun getting together and talking about the things that we love the most. Um, This week, we thought it would be wise to continue on from our conversation from last month uh just about guitars uh the instrument in general um our collection things that we think are missing in our collection and then uh like trends in guitar design uh the way things have changed over the years and hopefully if if i'm lucky we can talk a little bit about bass that would be nice so uh I guess I'll I'll just briefly go over what I have in my collection now, which has grown rather large, actually. 11. Uh I have got a Fender fifties player made a Fender's a Fender fifties player made in Mexico strat that I bought from Hubbard's Music and More here in Las Cruces, New Mexico in like 2015-ish. Um really proud of that guitar i've had it for a long time um it was the first it was the person is the first instrument i paid for entirely on my own um and then now i have got an ibanez az uh a prestige model uh in prussian blue it's an hss configuration um and i have got a Ivan fifteen twenty seven seven string in in blue. I can't remember the actual finish color. Um,
1: royal blue. I want to say it's cosmic blue. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I thought
2: cosmic blue was the purple one.
1: It's a blue with okay. a sparkle. Yeah, in it could it. be
2: royal blue. You're right.
0: You're, right. You're right. Uh, I bought that on <coughs> Reverb, and when I got it, um, Joey helped me swap one of the pickups in it uh, to a Temarzio uh, Crunch Lab and liquefier um. The AZ has got uh, Seymour Duncan Fortunatas in it, which are like a special for that guitar. And then the Fender's got uh, a set of noiseless 50s player pickups. I can't remember the exact model of them. Um, I've got a very special to me, uh, Ibanez RG770. Yeah, 770 is the model on, on that. Um that was a deal that uh, Dylan and I made. He had owned that guitar first, um, and then uh, basically, I we just had worked out an, an arrangement. Um, s- super proud of that guitar. It's got a lot of cool history. It Was owned by uh, one of the mem- one of the members of the band, uh, the uh, Contortionist, and
2: it was actually stolen and then
0: returned back to Dylan.
2: Shout out to Cameron Maynard. Hope you're well. (laughs) Shout out to Luke Holmes. Yeah. For finding the guitar. That took an entire village of Carlsbad,
0: primarily Dylan's dad, uh, (laughs) hunting that thing down. Um, And then uh, I've recently picked up, uh, up a Player Series a players series telecaster in hutter scotch blonde that i've turned into a project guitar uh swapped out the pickups in it uh to um change the tuners out change the bridge out um kind of done everything but change the paint color on it honestly and then uh most excitingly uh i've got a specter legend 5 bass that was owned by uh the bass player for a defunct band now uh, called um, Corelia that they track their EP with. Um, and then I've got two Charvel cases. I've got one that is, uh, it's the Charvel Pro Mod San Demas PJ series. One's a four string in blue, and then I've got a five string in white. And for acoustics, I've got a, a PRS um, Tone Air SE uh parlor guitar got a Larive OM3
2: OMO3R
0: oh uh, uh, yeah OMO3R that Dylan sold me uh I drank the Kool-Aid on that brand a long time ago and I haven't turned back since Mm-mm. and then I also have a Gretsch Jim Dandy uh acoustic that was a gift from Dylan that uh it's also very special to me so it's it's actually it's actually both shocking and alarming to kind of go through the entire list. Now, I guess if you accrue stuff for long enough, it just kind of builds up, but um that, that's everything I've got right now and I'm super pleased with all of it. I enjoy playing now more than I ever have, so
1: it's a lot of fun. Um okay, so I guess briefly go over some of the ones I mentioned in the last episode. So there's the Ibanez JCRG 7 string, the only 7-string I have. Um There's still the Squire uh, Classic Vibe Baritone Telecaster and then the Carvin HF2 Fatboy. Um, the only other guitars I have besides those currently is not technically my first guitar, but pr- the oldest guitar I've owned. I've owned it since I was in early high school, but it's my Schecter Tempest Custom in black. Um It's still like dead stock from the way that I bought it and I would like to change some things on it, but I still have that guitar. And then the guitar I've had the second longest is um, my red Ibanez RG3120 that I've I've just had for, I don't know, maybe 10 years. No, probably more than 10 years now. It's more than 10 years, yeah. More than 10 years now. Um,
2: And you put different pickups in there several years ago. I remember that. Yeah, I've
1: changed it a couple of times. So, I mean, I had in the beginning, I had Evos. And then I changed them to a Dominion bridge again, from, also from DiMarzio, and, oh, an, yeah. a, and a gravity storm neck. And then now it's got um, bare knuckle juggernauts in it. But um, I guess the seven string has also has bare knuckle juggernauts in it. That's um, they're, they're I mean, those two are pretty similar. They're both maple neck, mahogany bodied, rosewood fretboard. Um, both with the um low pro edge bridge and then mm. the schecter is like a, it's a short scale like gibson scale 24 and three quarters so it's kind of less paul like with a different shape with a tunematic bridge and the duncan design hb 102s if i remember right beautiful <laughs> um, so that guitar is really cool and then the Baritone still stock. Uh, I did get, I think I told you recently, Dylan, but I did finally get in compensated saddles. I've got a new nut in and a new string gauge that I'm going to try on it that I haven't haven't put on at all yet. But uh, mm. beyond that, I, I do want to change the pickups in that because they're still stock. Um, And then I will eventually change the bridge um, as well, like fully. But right now I'm just trying the brass compensated ones uh, whenever I get those swapped. Uh, and then the carbons just stock, as it was, so it's got the the like first version of the allen Holdsworth pickups. It's the first version of the the fat boy model, which is the only fully hollow model um so it's got h twenty twos is what the models are called um that are like Alnico five and un unpotted so they're a little noisier but uh, I really like those pickups a lot, so I've used them in a couple other guitars before but that's really all that I have currently. Just those five. Yeah, unless I'm forgetting one, I don't think that I. Am.
0: I don't think you are. But uh, before you go, Dylan, do you know? Do you know off the top of your head when that carbon was made?
1: The fat boy. Yeah, yeah, it was made in 2005. Okay, so it's almost 20 years old now. Yeah, yeah, I think I had it all on a thing on the side. I guess if I were gonna. Was Misha the original owner? no no it was a let's see it was so a a bit more background i guess like i i had like obsessed over that guitar like i'd mentioned in the last episode so much that like i went and like managed to find in like an old um it was like i think they called it Carvin, in stock archive yeah that they had where they had a list of if you knew the serial numbers or anything, they had a list of all the guitars they had in stock and what they sell, sold for. And then there's also like, there was at least, I don't know if it's still around, but there was a, a gallery for all the, what the they photos of The changed.
2: Carvin Museum?
1: Yeah, it was kind of like that, but they had ones for all these old ones they had before too. And so yeah. i managed to figure out what the serial number was, track down the original stock photo that Carvin had took of the guitar and then managed to find like the original like... It was, like, abbreviated in the way that they do, like, on their spec sheets, but found, like, the original, like, pricing and, like, the coding for all of the specs that were on it and everything yeah. back then. So it was, like, made in November 2005. It um, has its mahogany body, sides, because it is, it's, like, a it's a back, sides, and a top, flame maple top. Uh, the neck is also mahogany, and then it's got a, a ebony fretboard. Um, mm with stainless steel frets and 20 inch radius, all this stuff. Um, but yeah, 2005, that one. But yeah, I think the way I understand, if I remember right, I, and I I definitely have it logged somewhere, but actually no, I I actually do have it here on the same list. <laughs> uh, he bought it in 2006,
2: so oh. it was only like a
1: year. Oh, it after was only yeah, it was there, out in the wild. Uh, Misha for Mansour buddy. from Periphery and other projects uh, bought it in 2006 and had it up until I bought it from him a number of years ago now.
2: That is
0: that's a really cool story. Yeah.
2: All right, Dylan, you're up. Lay it on us. <clears throat> yeah, so I definitely have been fortunate to piece together a nice little arsenal over the years. Probably probably not gonna say everything, but uh No, say it all. Okay. <laughs> it started with a blue squire <laughs> squire bullet. But I mean, we're going all the way back. No, I, no, no, I
1: started on a warlock, BC Rich Warlock. Oh, beautiful.
2: Um so off the top of my head, you know, I, my calling card for the past couple of years is being uh, into PRS stuff. I have uh, a couple of silver sky, John Mayer signature models. I got the, uh, the USA model in at the end of 2018, um, and used that for several years. And, uh, about a, a little over a year ago I picked up the SE after shortly after that was recently announced and, uh, pretty, pretty fond of that guitar as well. Um, Also, looking back, I do have a couple of Fenders. Um, I have a Stevie Ray Vaughan Signature model, uh, pretty stock. I believe it's like a 2010 model, Um, and I think it comes with the Texas Special pickups in it. But that's a cool guitar. definitely has a vibe of its own. Um, And then I also have just an American Standard Telecaster uh, that my dad actually... Uh, picked up from the son of a, another musician that he used to perform with for several years back in Carlsbad. So that's really cool to get get my hands on that. And, you know, it's just kind of a run-of-the-mill standard Telecaster, but it has that sentimental because it came from came from someone that has a little history with my family. Um, other Fenders. Uh, well, actually, the coolest Fender that I have is uh, my dad's uh, P-Bass, yeah. which is allegedly a, a 54 P-Bass. But it's been re- refinished in in some form of Olympic white, mm-hmm. um, and I believe that otherwise it's all stock stuff on there, hardware and electronics and stuff. But uh, that guitar definitely needs some needs some love. But I think that one's definitely got some pretty cool mojo for sure. Yeah, will definitely be one that that I'm gonna baby, baby, and hold on to for the rest of my life for sure. Um, the other bass that I have is like a is a Mexican early 2000s jazz bass, and I put flat wound strings on that, and that's kind of been that's the one I brought up to Las Cruces with me. I left the P bass at home with with my folks. Yeah, but I've been using that one for recording bass stuff. Um, my other bass is a Dingwall NG2. That's the Adam Nolly Get Good signature. Um, there've been a few different iterations of that over the years, but that was the fir- from the first run of them. Yeah. Um, so that for that kind of progressive metal grinding bass sound, that really does it. So yeah. I, I think that's a really cool, really cool instrument to have on the rack. Um, um, we were really into, uh, sim- similar to Joey. Um, uh, we definitely are all interested in carving guitars and I was fortunate to, get a a matching six and seven string uh, almost 10 years ago now, which is pretty wild. Um, And those are the DC 700 and the DC 600 respectively. And both of those are uh, semi-custom instruments from the Kiesel website. And they've both got bare knuckle juggernaut pickups in there. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see, I have a couple of John Petrucci uh, music man guitars um, I have a, you have
0: both of them or just
2: one. I have the six and the seven. I've had this. I got the JP six in 20. The blue one is the one that the blue have. one. Yeah. I had that blue one and then sold that foolishly in like 2018. Got it in 2012, sold it in 2018, something like that.
0: So what seven string KP do you have
2: now? Now do I have, have the mystic dream. The mystic dream. Oh one. yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so jp6 and jp7 those are wonderful guitars very versatile very well built um definitely got them from seeing all the old periphery videos and demos and reading stuff about how much those were used on the early recordings and stuff but um especially the jp6 um i've set it up in standard and use it for my singer-songwriter stuff these days and it's performed wonderfully for that so really thankful to have those guitars um now jumping over to acoustic guitars, similar to Jared, I have a Larrivée OM3R. Um, mine has an LR Bags Anthem pickup in it. Hmm. I spacing which one yours has. Yours has a, a more basic one. I don't know. I never plug it in. Man, what is that called? Oh well. Anyway. Uh, so i've got the lr bags anthem pickup which is which is pretty wonderful um it's got a the traditional saddle bridge uh microphone and then it's also got another internal microphone then you're able to like mix or, like make a blend between the two mm-hmm. so you can you know have some of that like very sterile piezo sound and then mix it in with the warmer sound and so yeah. that that is very helpful in like trying to dial in in a live situation where it needs to be plugged in, but you want it to sound as much like an acoustic as possible. Sure. Um, And then I have uh, also an acoustic guitars. I have a a Martin D 41 special that um, I picked up three or four years ago from another local musician in Carlsbad, Melissa Jones Auld. I was doing, I did a, a run of shows playing guitar in her band and mm-hmm. uh, she had some, pr- a pretty incredible collection herself and I was, would not normally have been drawn to a guitar like that. It's got all the, all the bling on it and yeah, dreadnoughts yeah. a bigger body and stuff, but that, that just really, one just really spoke to me, you know, and we can all appreciate examples of like something that on paper might not be our thing, but we, just you know gel with something and that's like well this particular one speaks to me so yeah really cool um and then the latest uh thing that i've gotten is a a fender acoustasonic jazz master which is something that i really had no interest in until the past the course of the past year just performing more frequently um and just you know feeling uh you know Performing for three hours and, like, having an acoustic guitar, even uh, OM size, like, it's still, like, kind of draining for your body physically. And also, like, those acoustic strings are a little harder on your fingertips, even if you've got calluses and stuff. So the Acoustasonic is a a really good, like, hybrid between acoustic and electric feeling and also sounds. And so, like, it's definitely, you know, a compromise, but, you know, it definitely has its use in that kind of, like, live situation and that's definitely what i picked it up for and so i think i think it's a a cool addition for sure
0: uh and then what's the
2: model of the eight string you have again i i forget it every time the rg 2228 a okay Okay, that's right which i believe was the first production eight string that ibanez did yeah close not
1: yeah i don't think the a was but yeah uh, but the original one same model and then
2: the 2228 uh, came with uh, EMG-808s. They were um, active, right? Yeah, active. And, and then and, the A has passives. Yeah, and then for a couple of years, they did a, a passive version of the guitar, and it had uh, DeMarzio.
1: Man. I would guess they were deactivators. Yeah,
2: deactivators. Boom, got them. And so that's been a really fun guitar as well. Yeah. But, Definitely don't see myself uh, buying a bunch of 8-string guitars (laughs) moving forward, but that was always the one that I wanted, and I think it's got a really cool vibe to it. And just very, I just love the early 2010s, late 2000s, early 2010s and all the music that was being made then and all the instruments that were being used at the time, and there's just a lot of nostalgia for that and even though like there's production models now that are more keyed into those kinds of things, like yeah know, the fifteen twenty sevens the seventy six twenties the five fifties like I think all that stuff has a lot of vibe, yeah, yeah, I would love to see a world where you own nothing but eight strings. <laughs>
0: That, you performing live with the eight string. That would make me really happy. You go Taylor to Paul. Yeah. a senior to a a senior singer, songwriter, gig <laughs> and you use only an eight string. That would be uh that's my fantasy.
2: April flowers bring gent flowers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh a couple of things that um just hearing you talk and then thinking about it a little bit more, it's just it's interesting to me, kind of the way that our tastes have shifted, or or uh, the things we seek have changed a little bit. I, I know we've spoken about that kind of some in the past, but like something that was really kind of eye opening to me was the Charvel bases. Um, I bought the four string after doing some reading about it and playing one in a local store, and uh, it I mean it's a pretty classic PJ bass style but it just has a few f- a few tricks in it that make it r- really nice it's got a very thin neck um it's roasted maple neck mm-hmm. uh and uh a push pull on the uh pickup selector for um uh it splits the coil and then you can also turn it from active to passive with a switch in the back of the battery compartment, which is really interesting. I've never used that before, but uh it's there if you want it. Um and uh it's got DeMarzio pickups in it. I'm not exactly sure what the model of them is, but uh it by if it for all intents and purposes looks like any other PJ base. Like, I mean, other than the neck profile, like But it has like the classic looking like um, tuning heads on it. Uh, It's very like understated in the hardware. Um, So that would have been something that like 10 years ago, like I would have like scoffed at. But after it really sealed the deal for me after playing it, that I was like, wow, this is something really special. Uh, It feels so much like my Ibanez AZ six string uh, guitar that like it just felt natural moving from one to the other, and I loved it so much that I felt like I really wanted to have a five-string version of the exact same thing. So they're 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 absolutely identical. It's just one is four-string and one is five-string, and then the other color is it, is different. So, um, and the range of sounds you can achieve is is quite a bit of a variation from the Specter, which I just put Fishman um, Fluence uh five string uh it's the modern series in there and that 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 bass achieves everything that i would want to achieve like out of a rock or a metal tone but because of how versatile the pickups are like it can really nail more vintage sounds also which i think is cool but the charvels just have that like they just have like a warmth to them that that i can't get out of the specter and I, i like I've grown more and more attached to those kinds of sounds and they're like, and they play like butter, like taking them out of the store home. They just immediately played excellent. So I've been super happy with that. Um, And I feel like I've gotten really pretty fortunate with all of my instruments where they, they, they play pretty well with relatively minor effort. Maybe I'm just like not, paying close enough attention but um yeah i don't know
1: something i was going to say that you mentioned there was and actually dylan you mentioned it too is the the like not idea but i guess like the thing about having like these two matching things like having the six string carbon and the seven string carbon and having the the four string and then the five string Charvel. Uh, I think that's really cool. Like, I I like like whenever I think about my own collection and some of the stuff that I have. Like, I if there was, and we've talked about this before, if there was a seven string version of the Carvin, I would just get that, and that would be my seven string that I would yeah. that I would keep. Because mm-hmm. I am really only interested in you know having the one, but yeah, I definitely think there is something cool about having the matching set. So I really like that. And then even when it, they can't match, like I will, I I do still like want really really want just a, a standard scale Telecaster. And uh, when I eventually get one, I think I will likely get it at least at the pi- down to the pickup level, getting to be pretty similar, if not identical to what I would want in the baritone anyways, because there's something cool about getting like a similar response from the instrument, but just in a different range than like having something that's like radically different. Like then there, there's like a place for that, of course, too. Sure. And like, that's like why some people and even some of us here would reach for like one particular instrument that fulfills a similar role, but it just sounds uniquely different. I'm very much like into the idea of like, I want like a similar feel. So I'm not like radically changing things, whenever I'm moving from, you know, normal scale Telecaster. What to me, I would keep in like D standard to like the B standard baritone. Like if it could sound pretty close and I'm not having to adjust so much. Like I'm really into that. Yeah. 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 Um, so beyond, and then I guess too, beyond like just the telecaster, cause I, I am very kind con- I think I mentioned this in another episode before, but like, I'm very conscious about, or like I get kind of anxiety whenever I think about how many instruments I have and like not, not going through all of them, re- you know, relatively often or like keeping all of them up to the level that I think I should be. Um, again admittedly still not having as many as the rest of us but i like think about <laughs>
2: they can hear me
1: <laughs> I, I just <laughs> uh yeah i i guess i'm just not i'm at the point to where like i used to have more and i i had um multiple guitars that filled the same role but now um now if i if i could comfortably only have the three or maybe even four guitars i, I would sure um, And like it's about it's largely about the tuning and then like what kind of purpose they would fill. So, like, I, th- I kind of see the my Carvin and like my Ibanez 3120 uh, as like filling a similar role. Like, mm-hmm. even though like one has a trim, that's kind of like the only thing that I can really give the Ibanez that I think that it the Carvin doesn't do. But like 99% of the time, I'm playing the Carvin, yeah, um, yeah, for, for mm-hmm. anything that I would put that in. And then maybe I could put it in the the red one in a different tuning, but even then it's like, I'm only reaching that for, reaching for it, like sparingly. Um, what I play the majority of my time are six string guitars tuned to D standard or drop C or, um, more recently the baritone in B standard. Uh, and then when I play the seven right now, it's, it's currently in drop a, so B standard with a low a, um, but I, I mean, I know that I want that telecaster and I think, okay, that's going to be like the sixth guitar, that i would have and i know i still like i actually don't i still lack an acoustic and i have like an idea of ones that I, i've won I've, I've owned a couple over the years too um but even that's kind of thinking like i always put that on the back burner because it's one is like i don't i don't desire to play that so much sure uh but then two it's like i would like that's just another guitar to have around that i'm not using all the time and that, it's not even really about the use so much but like I have a thing about, like, not being able to, like, maybe not move, but, like, just having so much stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. um, About. And maybe it's different because, you know, I'm not in a house that I own or anything like that that we're owning. um, So it's a bit different. But that's something that I definitely think about a lot is, like, all the gear that I have. Now, it's different for something smaller for me, like a pedal. Like, I could see myself owning, like, and I do own a number of pedals, but I I can see myself owning quite a number of pedals and not really think too much of it because they're easy to store. Yeah. Yeah. They don't take up sure. a lot of space. Um, and there's not like the upkeep that you need. Exactly. With a good instrument. I'm um, for it as well. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys have like that to like uh, maybe a, a different degree at all, or like that's a part of your process. I can speak to that. And then if you want to go, uh,
0: so, um, I, I see what you're saying for sure. Uh, I, um, I think I've definitely gotten a lot better at maintaining the instruments that I have despite the collection growing. I try to restring everything at the very least once a month. Um, and I've so far for the last few months I've been successful with that. And I've, I've spent a significant amount of more time playing recently than I ever have in my entire life. And I know I, I keep broadcasting that fact to you, but um, it's really just like to keep it in my mind you know usually every day after work and or after we eat i sit up here and i i play i play two songs for at least an hour maybe more and i do it every day um just because i've just been finding a lot of joy in it i've been finding a lot of of comfort in it if i am recording something it me playing the instrument takes a completely different Kind of perspective. I think of it much more in the sense of a tool, whereas like you know, act or like evenings after work, it's something of like pure enjoyment, and um, I relish that quite a bit. I I um, have this like terrible anxiety about um, selling the things that I own unless I absolutely need to, which is something I've spoken to before, um, and. There was a period of time where I did have to sell almost everything that I had and that really that really affected me. And so now I like cling to shit that maybe, you know, I really probably don't need to. But unless we're on the brink of ruin, I I can't imagine myself selling it almost in the ho- I'm like in a hoarder kind of, of mentality is like maybe someday 16 years from now, I'll need this for something even though everything I've got now sees rotation frequently, like everything gets played at least once a week now, except for the, the fifties player strat that I have the saddle still torn off of. That was a ordering error on my part. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do see what you're saying, Joey. And, and I, that, that makes like, uh, It makes a lot of sense to me, and I see like the utility of it in a lot of ways, Um, even if that's not exactly how you think about it. Um, And I probably do have some fat to trim, you know, where it's like I've got some strange overlap that I probably really don't need to have if I just put a little more thought and effort into it. But to me, every instrument I pick up just plays and has such a different like spirit to it. That even if they are in the same tuning with the same string gauge on them they 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 don't feel or play or sound the same so i don't really think too much about that but you know that's something that we've spoken about quite a bit over the last month or two is like okay what should i kind of have it everything tuned in what should i how how, you know like here's the stuff that i want to be playing what do you think i should i should do like advise me on my tunings and you've helped me do that to cut back that overlap some but um. Yeah, I don't know. How do you how do you feel about it, Dylan?
2: My name is Dylan, and I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like similar to you know a lot of things that Joey brings to the table, like his strategy and and, and ideas about owning stuff. It, like it makes a lot of sense, and it's like very cool to just have what you need. And I definitely think that that's very practical too. And like thinking about moving and stuff like that. Um. You know, I've been, I definitely took advantage of my formative years living at home and having some uh, extra income to spend on this stuff. And I'm thankful to have, you know, a pretty good collection of stuff. You know, I, I, you know, there may come times like life, life changes and stuff where I probably might, we'll have to pare some stuff down. But I've just gone through so many different eras of, or different, you know, been into different styles of music and needed something for that. And I wish I had something for that. And I just, it's, I mean, it's never complete, but it's like, I feel like I'm like, really able to cover a lot of bases and know that like if in five years I want to be a jazz guitar player that I'm going to have something for that, yeah. you know? And like recently I've been dipping back into metal stuff and like, I'm thankfully that I have all the tools I need to do that, you know? True. And, and so I, I really like that. Um, and I, it's similar to what you said, like even if things like there's overlap in terms of like use and application, it's like everything has its own spirit, and and just lends itself to playing certain things or a certain way and stuff. And um, there's definitely a, a, a tightrope that I walk sometimes about like, well, these are just guitars, they're tools, and I'm and or like these are sacred relics. <laughs> <laughs> and each one is its its own unique thing. Um, um, you know, other. Uh, justifications for having a bunch of stuff I like the idea of someone coming over and being able to play together sure. um, I you know I don't go home to Carlsbad to play as much as I was there but I like the idea of being able to travel lighter and just I have a guitar there that I can take and yeah. play um, and then just you know in the event that, that one uh, my main one goes down and is in the shop then I got something coming up that I'm, I'm covered um, I, I like that that idea that sentiment as well but i just i love guitars man i got a lot of them <laughs> oh i
1: definitely love guitars yeah I just, yeah no i i definitely i see what you guys are saying i think it's different it's different in that like like with an example being like a stratocaster and a telecaster like i don't have such desire or like interest in one over the other or like in one of those being the Stratocaster as I do the other, the Telecaster. Mm -hmm. So when I think about like single coil, regular six string standard scale instrument, I'm only really drawn to one of them. Yeah. So I like, I don't have to think about like, I need to own one of each where it's maybe it's different for you guys with both examples of each. Um, But then there's like, I still don't think that like there's overlap with like the Telecaster that I would want and the carbon that I have now, despite me wanting both in the same tuning, like it's more like I want an instrument that can do the single coil thing that I prefer the most. Sure. Okay. Um, and even if having another one would mean like another option, another flavor, it's just like not for me. It's like, I guess I just don't have the desire to do so as much. Like I don't I yeah. have to think about it. like, I mean, there's, there's other guitars that I would want. I, I mean, there's that, i'm missing or like i would say that like i would i'm missing beyond the telecaster like i would love a um a Les Paul jr just a single p ninety in it i really like three thirty fives and uh i yeah. have, like wanted to own one of those before um and i don't think whenever like whenever I'm thinking about wanting those i don't I'm not thinking about the overlap they have with like the other ones I have because I've thought so much about them that i could i could make that work like i i know that the three thirty five would do its own thing. Um, for it but it's like I guess it depends like I mean there's there, it's there's limits to it depending on on what it's meant to do and like the seven string is just the probably the biggest example and maybe the baritone even more so Where like I just know that like I don't personally care to have three or more examples of different seven strings I mean, i've owned a number of them now different scales and stuff too like i just want the one that sounds the coolest and looks the coolest to me or like, yeah, that yeah. I, like yeah. I've, I've found for it and like um like the Carvin was like that was always the goal was that guitar the, yep. the holds with right and so like when i finally got it, it's like okay like i'm pretty much done with needing to do that um for what that specific thing does and anything else would just be kind of like an add-on um but yeah it depends on, on on what it is i think like there are there are examples where i don't fully adhere to like there's crossover so there and there shouldn't be uh it just is specific to um my interests at the time and right now like i i really just like i want the telecaster uh probably the most of stuff beyond like upgrading all the stuff i already have yeah um this is like not really derailing
0: it but i just I was thinking about this some too, just about tunings. And so, uh, the telly right now I've got in, in just regular standard, the AZ, I've got it in, in D standard or drop C, um, occasionally. And then, uh, the, uh, six string Ibanez, I've got that in, uh, drop C sharp, which is between the bear to me tuning. um, or is it just C-sharp?
1: I think they play in C-sharp standard, but... Yeah, I, it's yeah.
0: C-sharp standard. Yeah, that's it. And then the 7-string I've got in uh, drop A-flat. Um, and then basses, I've got one tuned to D-standard. And then the Spectre and the 5-string Charvel are actually both tuned in standard, but that's because I've been A being them for the last few weeks, like playing the same few songs and just seeing how they sound. Um, at some point I'll probably drop the Spectre down some. The acoustics is where it's a little weird um, I've got the PRS uh, the, uh, the Parlor, I've got that tuned to standard the of I have it tuned to D standard um, so it's a whole step lower and then I will put a capo on the second fret which seems like a strange thing to, to do I guess uh, but there's a few like singer songwriter guys that I really like that that do that and it puts a little bit of slack on the string and i like how it feels and sounds and then i like playing stuff in d standard on on acoustic it you know i just take the capo off and and play um that that seems like such a minor thing but that that really like helped me want to pick up that instrument a lot more and, and like get more dedicated to like not not just playing with a pick, not just playing like the same kind of style, but focusing on on like other techniques uh, that are that shine on acoustic guitar more than they would on electric. And then like, you know, teaching myself to kind of let those breathe. Um, I watched I've been watching a lot of the rig rundown things from uh, from Amir guitar lately over the last week or two. And I watched one for Coheed and Cambria, and one uh, one, of, one of their guitar players, not Claudio, I think his name is Josh. I can't remember 100. Um, percent He was saying that they, he writes most of his song of their songs and the riffs on acoustic first, and he gets it to where it sounds as good as it possibly can on that instrument, and then he'll trans translate it over to an electric, and um, that I. I hadn't heard that before, but I I do the same thing a lot of times. Like, a lot of people play that. I'll I'll write it on acoustic, and then I'll translate it to something on on electric, or more probably I'll translate it to something like on on a keyboard, because I I can't really play piano very well, so I have to do the arrangement on a guitar, like you know like the chord arrangement or like arpeggiated notes or something and then translate them to a piano roll um, as I record over it because I, I can't actually play the piano. Um, and so, uh, and I think like a lot of that just comes with fluency. Like it's like a language, like, you know, you're using these these things to build fluency in expressing your ideas. And I think over the last six months or so, um,
1: I've I felt much closer to it than I ever have, I guess. Yeah, I think... I mean, that's a good point to mention because that's probably another... or, like, one of the larger contributing factors to why I am the way I am about it is, like, I'm not concerned about I need a guitar in E-Standard, I need a guitar in D-Standard, I need a guitar in this one particular tuning for, like, one of my favorite bands, but, like, I don't play their stuff that often kind of thing. Like, I, I know, like... The majority of my favorite bands have all played in deep standard or drop C, and so like that's and it's just always been that way yeah um so like that's just what i write all my material in that's like most of the favorite songs i like to play are in that tuning and so i keep it in that so like i that's where like i don't it's different because i know that you guys have like multiple tunings across all the stuff and I, I that's just like one less thing that i have to think about sure whenever i do that um so that's probably why like at least a, a couple of numbers there are a bit different yeah um for me than it is for you guys um yeah
2: but i do think that like you know experimenting with tunings and and trying different setups and stuff is is very inspiring and, and pretty helpful i remember um my dad showing me the right way to tune the guitar <laughs> for, for many years and so um and then you know it's we became teenagers and started doing stuff. It was the the lower you can tune it, the better. <laughs> and so, and that definitely lends it lends itself to playing a certain style and getting a certain vibe. And then you know our favorite bands all play in different tunings, and it's fun to fun to move the guitar around in different tunings depending on you know if you have a spare guitar to experiment with a different tuning or something. And then um, but. I think that also you know lends into like feeling that each instrument has a different vibe because it make is literally making a different sound and, and feels differently. And I think that that's that's a fun thing to mess with. Jared, you're talking about detuning the the larvae and putting a capo on it. Um, maybe someday you would get a uh, a Martin triple O twenty eight. twenty eight. The Triple O 28 and the OM 28 are the, the same body size, but the Triple O is just a little bit shorter. And so mm. they say if you want to have the same experience on an OM, you tune it down a half-step and capo on the first fret. So mm. it's definitely wild how, how much you can get into the weeds about the minor details, but that does make a big impact on the instrument as a whole and your yeah. relation to it and why you'd gravitate towards one guitar over another. Um, yeah. Speaking of scale length, you know, I have a couple of extended range instruments um, that definitely lend itself to feeling more comfortable on like the low strings, and they come the notes come through clear. But then you're compromising on on playing on the higher strings, and that will, you know when I'm playing my i've been as rg 1077 you know i'm definitely playing more riff based stuff and whereas on another guitar i might consider taking a lead more yeah. more frequently
1: or something sure yeah 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 the scale thing like i feel like is more of a compromise um even in the low end for me because like i had the 7421xl before that was the same scale length, the 27 and That's one where like the types of things that I wanted to play on a seven string sounded really good on the lowest strings. um, But then there were things that I was like trying to stretch to be able to do still in the lower register that like at, at length and repeatedly were uncomfortable. Um, Now, I mean, and maybe it was like at the time, like, I had an issue with, with that, and maybe I wouldn't have that same discomfort now. And I, I really don't have a similar issue whenever I'm playing, like, the baritone, which is the same scale length. is 27 now. And even whenever I had the JAG baritone before, which was 28 and a half, yeah. I didn't have that same issue. I, I wasn't really trying to play quite like that, but even in situations where I did, the... I'm not combating the width of the neck anymore with that extra string. So it's like, it it does feel different. Like you have the width and the length on a seven string that you're like working not against, but have to work with. Um, But I I won't deny like, yeah, I think the seven string baritone guitars, especially on the lower riffs sound like really, really awesome. Yeah. Really, really good.
2: Has anyone played a 26.5 scale seven string? I imagine that that's the sweet spot. If I have, I didn't know it. Yeah, I definitely
1: have. I couldn't tell you like when that was, but I'm certain that I've played either those Jacksons or the RGDs. All the RGDs are that. Um, I never had one like. I never played one at length enough, like especially my own setup to to know. But like, yeah, I mean, I guess like whenever I play like a standard one, I don't feel like i'm missing anything in the moment like especially if i've got like really good pickups like i do in the the j custom like i feel like this sounds really really good now mm-hmm. whenever you get like I, th- I would say like probably lower maybe. i mean you could probably tell an a especially but like especially when you go lower than a um i, I think it's more noticeable mm-hmm. um but when i'm just playing in like b standard or drop a like i, I feel like it it sounds really really good mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's something that you know. I know you you almost talked me into getting that Squire baritone, and I bought the player series instead of, of the telly. But at at some point, I, I I would imagine that I'm gonna own a baritone of some kind, just because it's been coming up a lot more in in the bands that I listen to, and and the people that I watch play, and it just seems that it adds a content like a like a layer and a feeling and a possibility that, that you can't get out of, out of a, a regular scale instrument. Um, and like, I, I have been listening to and watching a lot more things from thrice. And so I, I get to, you know, kind of hear that sound hear the way they express that instrument. And I really like it a lot. Um, uh, And Dylan has had that extended scale seven string for quite some time now. Um, And a lot of the bands that we liked in the early 2010s that were like prog metal, they use extended scale stuff periodically. Um, So it's, I mean, it's always kind of had a presence. I just like never felt like that was for me. Uh, But now it just seems like it's another book I haven't read that I really want to read. Like it's something else that's there that like I just want to see what it's about and uh you know i think i'm pro. i'm probably maybe between both of you i play bass more than either of you do
1: um i don't even own a bass anymore
0: yeah so i definitely play bass more than joey <laughs> i don't know how often dylan plays but um you know i've just kind of like Like I said this in an earlier episode where I felt like I was like really betrayed by by uh, getting pigeonholed on that on that on that instrument. And then now I've come to to love it more than anything else. And uh, so I just feel like whenever I want to play something that that is lower, I naturally gravitate toward longer scale down like lower tuned instruments that kind of hit those lower registers in a more resonant way and scale length on bass is another like that's a whole other conversation about the way the instrument feels the way it plays the way it sounds and shorter scale basses are becoming more and more popular you know long scale basses has been like the standard for for a long time i know that fender um, and warwick and uh and mayones all make a, a, a shorter scale bass that are pretty well pretty well received um everything that i have a standard art is like the standard long scale bass um but uh like the way that that affects the instrument which it's always shorter you, you know you don't see like a a double xl bass that's <laughs> three times as long like it's always a little bit shorter, but the way that 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 affects the tonality of the instrument, um, it, it just does a lot more than I ever kind of thought it would. And I've always had that sense with, with guitar, but I, I've never like gravitated toward it the way that I do now, I guess. And, and a lot of that's thanks to like you guys basically yeah. having exposure
2: to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, baritone guitars like that's something that it was not really on my radar until you know the past six months or so but i think it is really cool and i i you know i'm excited to add one to my arsenal someday but i think joey does something really cool when he plays it and i'm also very excited for the time that jared gets one because i think his his ambient way that he you know his ambient style of guitar playing and soundscaping i think will really come come across in a new way on that and i think that that's a really cool a really cool tool a different uh different uh color to paint with
0: yeah uh so the charvel is 34 inch scale length the four string and then the two five strings are 35 inch
1: scale length. yeah that's a pretty standard yeah that's standard, like the yeah.
2: the the normal thing yeah
0: uh 30 inches like short scale yeah
2: and that's a uh, short scale bass is something else that's kind of been been on my mind lately. I've really gotten uh, interested in the the uh, Justin Mendel Johnston uh, Mustang bass, um, mm. and I really like you know bass players like uh, uh, Paul McCartney and Mac DeMarco and Tame Impala and that kind of like rubbery sound with flat wound strings. And I think yeah. that the shorter scale. You know, combined with that really gives you a, a different kind of a different place to come come through on the bass and so I think that that's really cool and, and definitely a different flavor to your standard P&J uh, setup instruments but both are definitely nice to have
0: so I mean this is kind of old news at this point right so um, headless instruments have been around for quite some time fan fret instruments have been around for quite some time uh they 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 i mean they were for us they were always really popular in the prog metal scene and i i i know that like um uh versions of that have existed for quite some time um and the guitar itself can't fundamentally change all that much but it seems like headless fan fret has been like that's the marketing like i don't want to say scam but like that's what you make a line of to sell to modern like rock players that's what you make why i mean why
1: do you think that is um well i i don't i feel like maybe a couple of years ago it was like more popular i don't see them quite as much now but if i had to guess as to why they were popular to begin with it's one like There's just more you have access to with, like, that style of guitar now. Like, before, like, there was, like, very few brands and very few affordable brands that offered something like that. Same thing with, like, getting a custom or semi-custom thing before, like, prior to, like, Carvin and a couple other ones that came later or maybe were just around the same time but weren't as popular. Like, it was really difficult to find something um, that wasn't, like, a Steinberger or, like a copy of that or you know there's probably a couple other ones i'm forgetting but um so it was that so the availability like there's probably like a number of people that always liked them but it was always like a find to be able to get one yeah um but then also i think they just like more once they became more available or like it just took like one or a couple of really notable people that were util- using them. I mean like so much of it as far, if like we're keeping it in the realm of like metal and progressive metal like is are like the the big heavy hitters in the community speaking about those instruments and whether that's like people like Misha and yeah, or others that eventually and like I would say like a, a few years later uh people like Pliny that like really popularized or like helped further um The brand of strandberg and stuff like that i think um they just like came into its cycle and it happened to be at the same time whenever they were like able to make an or not make but like offer more um whether that's from people like kiesel that were able to finally do some stuff ibanez uh ibanez now q series yep and then i mean like a bunch of them now there's like headless bait or headless bases fanfred bases um but specifically the headless thing i think it was largely due to availability and then at the time even maybe even before the availability was really high there were enough like key players or people um like playing those instruments and being at the forefront of that that warranted them to kind of pick things up and start offering them more because like i remember when the strandberg thing was like all like you know sign up to be on the list for strandberg right Yeah, the forums mm-hmm and then it was like okay then they had their normal offerings and they had like their uh import models and you know just multiple variations of all that to where where now you you can find them in the states like i don't like i don't really know how how well distributed they are now but much more easy like you get on reverb and find used strandbergs mm-hmm. now so yeah
2: yeah, I think uh I think Amazon sells their own brand of guitars now, and I think you can get they, a yeah. get a headless. Yeah, You're sure kidding me I'm right now. Have, let's look at I'm not surprised
1: at all to hear that. Jamie, let's give it up. a
2: goog, please.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right this second. Yeah. Right after I watched the live action Hiddle Mermaid.
1: And they did my boy Flounder pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> they did. <man. laughs> I mean beyond I guess the availability, like they're like all the things that someone would try to sell you on them for are the weight. That's a big one. Like yeah. They're lighter, less susceptible to neck dive, um, easier to transport because they're lighter. Still full scale despite being able to be smaller. Um, depending on how they're made, and this, you can see this is about really any instrument, but like a lot of them, at least the one that I owned and the ones that I've played through friends, have all had like a very, like direct sort of sound to them, like yeah. Very fo- not focused, I guess, but very upfront. Um. Now the Carvin ones had a like a zero fret, so that kind of added to that. But um, but when it went with the open strings, but
2: that brand is called uh, Ert. <laughs> Eart E
0: A R T. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, oh, wow. that is absolutely appalling
2: um (laughs) but how much is it it's for 390 yeah there you go there you go and you too can be a part of this amazing journey that we're all on um and i I mean like strandberg's claim
0: to fame right is their ergonomic neck
1: yeah that was a big thing yeah the endure neck and the the like different planes as they refer to it um which is cool and like that's really sciencey and that's that's cool um, yeah
2: and how light it is yeah and, and like how comfortable it is and definitely seems to help people that have you know arthritis and like other physical you know issues like with holding a heavy guitar all night or something like that so it definitely has its has its place
0: and this is going to sound like a completely ignorant thing to say and i should know this fan fretting helps with in with intonation across the neck right
1: yeah to a degree it does um it, but it's relative to whatever you're tuning the the string to so um like an example where you use it on seven string is like a lot of them are go beyond the fender scale or classic scale of 25 and a half to get to something more close to a 26 and a half or a 27 so that you can have you don't have the compromise of as Dylan said before, like still having twenty seven inch scale on the upper strings, making them harder to bend, or kind of thinning out the sound a bit. Um Yeah, so that's that's the largest benefit. You get best of both worlds as they would describe it. Um, in having like the really clear, deep timbre of the the longer scale with the lower strings and then still have the like sort of richer, like standard classic. Um, sound on the upper strings but Mm, that's like where they where they dial that in relative to the scales that they choose across the board is like where that you get the variance because i think early on whenever they were doing that there were examples where they did there was more extreme and i I think they reeled that in since where there there was like it was like like, i want to say i don't remember who but i want to say there was like a seven string that was like 27 inch scale on the on the low strings or the thicker strings and then the upper ones were like 24 and three-quarter gibson which like were technically like sound the sweetest as people say yeah um but like then you get like a huge disparity in like the in going from one end of the neck to the other and so there's like i think there's definitely a line where like there's a certain amount of variance you can have before it actually becomes uncomfortable in a different way. Yeah. No. Um. And then especially with, like, positioning on it. But, uh, yeah, it, it can definitely help with intonation, but you kind of have to be careful with where you set those things.
2: Yeah, the only fan fret instrument that I've really been able to spend any time with is my ding wall. Yeah. And, you know, it definitely helps with that signature sound of the low end coming through clear. And like, you can still, you know, place play like runs on the higher strings, but you know, it all, you know, that instrument really lends itself to being played a certain way. And that's kind of what it excels at. So, yeah. You know, but yeah. Otherwise like guitars, I guess I haven't really been able to spend a whole lot of time with a fan fret. Yeah. Well, I think,
0: you know, it's it's just it's always going to be interesting to me to see what the next iteration of everything is. Nam isn't as exciting, not Vietnam, just to be clear. We <laughs> mean Nam, the music show in, Anahe- in Anaheim, California. Um, you know, it's not as exciting as it was for me several years ago, um, but I still enjoy seeing what people come up with and. In the same way that CES is like, you know, a lot of those products might not ever make full production run. Um, Like you do see some interesting and innovative tech like technologies that come out of those conferences. And I think that's super cool. Um, It's hard to push the boundary of an instrument that has been like done hundreds of thousands of times you know for a very long time um, like uh, the Music Man Kaizen I think that I don't necessarily think that that instrument pushes the envelope in any meaningful way but it is interesting looking I like uh, the Abasi guitars quite a bit I think those are, are are really clever but fundamentally I mean you would look at it and recognize it as a guitar and I don't necessarily think that Ever would or should change. Um, it is interesting, though, to see the technology improve inside of them and the way that like music manufacturers adapt that to technology. Which that's kind of like a whole other conversation. But like, I- I've I've talked to, uh, Helen about this more than once. But it's like the way that a guitar is is manufactured and the way that it 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 is it is wired and the component pieces that are in it are basically unchanged from the inception of the electric guitar it's just variations in like the quality of the parts the you know the way that the parts are wound are the, the way that the pickups are wound the quality of the pots and the and the quality of the soldering and and maybe the way that we're able to build a circuit to control very specific frequencies but like the the core technology of it has, has not really evolved that much and i used to think like man that's insane like everything else is advancing so far why is this kind of stuck in this in this pattern of like quarter inch plugs and um like just soldering wires to pots and then i was like well because it it, it doesn't it doesn't really need to change in in any meaningful way what what needs to change for people are like you know the amps and the pedal offerings and everything else but the instrument itself is fundamentally good and I, I don't think that you could say that a lot about a lot of other tools that mankind has made where they've stood the test of time so well in a recognizable fashion um, and I, you know, I could be eating my own shorts in the next hundred years where people don't play guitar anymore but like it is something that um, like its legacy as an entity is something to be proud of for everybody i think like that it's a very well made tool i'm not seeing a lot of lutes lying around anymore you know are like there there's like hundreds of instruments that have just kind of been forgotten to time but a guitar in some form or fashion in the size that it is now has been around for quite some time and um i think that speaks a lot to just you know we've We've been in its presence for such a long time and we are still learning, evolving and enjoying it because there are so many other variables to it. And that's kind of a tangent, I guess. But I think about that a lot. And um, you always hear like your famous players say, like, you know, my life would not be X, Y and Z without this instrument. And I think, you know, we can argue until we're blue in the face about specs or about like what we prefer or appointments on an instrument, but like it just has so much to give to you if you, if you put the time in with it. And I think that that's what makes it so rewarding, I guess.
1: You're going to make me cry.
2: Yeah. Beautiful Jared.
0: I'm a very talented speaker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. And I think Dylan, you know, you, 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 you can attest to that maybe more than than the rest of us can, especially over the last few years. Like, you've been singing for your soup here for the last almost two years now. You know, your bond with the instrument is... It transcends... It's the PRS, Silver Sky. It's the one that John Mayer uses. I like John Mayer. I think it's cool. You know, it's mm-hmm. more than that now. Yeah. You're, like... If it could... <laughs> If if it could be another limb, in some cases it, it it would be, you know. Now now, which limb that is is up to you to decide. <laughs> um, but you know, I just think that that there's a reason why it has moved our our generation and the generation before us and the generation before that to do such wonderful things in music yeah so actually before i went on the incredible tangent i don't necessarily at the moment think that i'm missing anything there's definitely a lot of crap that i just want but i don't think that i'm missing anything what do you think
2: yeah i mean i agree i think i feel the same like uh, there's endless things that i that catch my eye i'm like that'd be really cool to have but like fundamentally like i have my bases pretty well covered yeah and then some so
1: yeah. how about how about you other, other than the, uh, yeah, other than the the Telecaster, the regular tester, Telecaster, yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely a lot of things that I would want, but I don't, I guess I don't look at them like, it's something that would be, I don't know, maybe that's where like my my whole process that I talked about before comes in, where like I see like this drive pedal and like it's a want, but it's not a want, it's like would just like like i'm missing it so much is like i don't know how to explain it i guess like i know that, like i don't have a base and i like i don't have a base anymore at least i, I had one for a while um but i would like another one mm-hmm. i so i don't like need that now so i'm not prioritizing it um but if i could have any base i would get a gibson grabber that's like like that's got some of the i mean if anyone who's listened thus far knows that's probably that, that would be like an that would not be unexpected, but uh <laughs> that like that is just like one of the best sounding basses ever. And it just like yeah, for shaped sure. a lot of what I think sounds good on bass. Um but there's like a number of like any other gear, like I, I would say the same for about like you know, drive pedals, like and this is to speak to the the bit about like having multiple pedals, like I I don't have so much trouble with saying like, I like would like a full tone OCD because I don't have it. I'm like, yeah, and I'm like I can, I would be able to buy that and not feel like it's like something that I ended up justifying needing. I just, I, I would, I would be comfortable saying it's like, I don't need this, but it's just like another flavor of something that I really like that like takes up very little space, has no upkeep. Sure. And, mm. um, I have no trouble owning, but, um, guitars it's it's just it's different like i know that like i want the acoustic and like when i spoke about that before like the one that comes to mind because i owned a number of like vintage uh fg 150 red labels from yamaha Mm -hmm. i at one point owned two different ones like i mean i don't know that i owned them together at the same time but they were pretty close to each other that i had them um and the only reason I didn't keep them was because they were laminate and I I felt like for the skill that they were, they like they sounded really good when played with a certain level of intensity, but beyond that they kind of just broke up. Sure. And didn't weren't able to really like give as much as I was putting into it. Um but I haven't played them, but the Yam I don't remember FS maybe the Yamaha's the ones that they have now, the newer ones that yeah, are the like,
2: FS is the smaller body,
1: is like yeah, the, the concert yeah. size. Yeah, so they have, like, a new range of, like, red-label um, Yamahas now. that They have, like, I don't know where it's manufactured. They have, like, a different one. They have, like, Japanese ones. Japanese ones are more expensive, but they have one that's, like, very similar to the FG150 and, like, not OM in the scale length that they are. Sure. It's probably closer to, like, a triple O, I guess. It's probably what some of them are. Yeah. Um, but... That's like probably one that, like, I whenever I think about whenever I come into like entertaining the idea of getting the acoustic, it's always circling back to those.
0: Yeah, you've told me something kind of like that before, so now
1: that you're mentioning it, it's bringing that back for yeah. me. They're just very like minimal looking, and uh, yeah, a lot of it's the looks for the acoustic because I haven't played a, a, a plethora of different ones. Um, but something that I do like about the ones that you guys have is like I think the Rosewood back and sides thing is really cool yeah it sounds really really good yeah like very deep and i like that but mainly just the acoustic and the bass beyond the telecaster that i want like i it's it's more so i'm more in the of the mind of trying to again take what i have even further by upgrading it or changing things on it or whatever so it's really just those things that i feel like i'm missing quote unquote
2: yeah you guys have gotten me on to you know into uh, telecasters back on that train as of late and that's definitely uh something on my list for down the road is modifying my telecaster and you know working on some different pickups and some locking tuners and stuff and just trying to like take the instrument a little bit further i think that would be that'd be fun especially now that i've like you know had the time to to see what it can do in its current state and then that moving forward i think is cool um I think we spoke about it earlier in previous episodes about like, you know, spending time with it before you upgrade it. And that way kind of helps you make a better informed decision on like, I'm upgrading it because I need it to do this or I want it to have this kind of sound instead of like, let's just do something different. Yeah, And it's cool to like, you know, have a little bit more reasoning behind your, uh, what you're purchasing. But another thing that, that, you know, Joey has done over the years that, um, you know is foreign to like a lot of people is like you know buying stuff and trying it for a while and then selling it and then moving on to the next thing oh, yeah. Like that's the best way to educate yourself on really what is working for you or what well, does not it. yeah and i think that that's like a pretty valuable thing to do and it's like you can you can try stuff in the store you can you know guitar swap with your friends and things like that but it's like really you know calling something your own and spending you know extended time with it is really where you can understand what is happening there and what is working for you and what isn't and it's also like speaks to like how you know we grow and evolve and our tastes and interests change and like owning a guitar for a certain amount of time and then moving on to something else like you know that's a very that's a very Smart thing to do and makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. unless you wanna, it does. Yeah, unless you want to hoard it like me, that's fine. Or or me. Yeah. Well,
1: I think I think you have you've cycled through a couple of things like yeah, Eastman, like you don't have any more yeah. the other seven string JP, whether that's a regret or not. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, it's like part of it's like that's just how I grew up early on in music was like like whenever i had access to a guitar center because where we grew up didn't have like a music shop like that then i was just trying everything and yeah. uh you have obviously now like speaking about it like you have to be pretty fortunate and you'll be able to try something for that amount of time now and like make the purchase like like i've been fortunate enough to be able to own a couple of different examples of Carvins, jps ibanez fenders um other things, the PRS I had a custom um 22 for a while. Yeah,
2: I never got to see that out.
1: And that one was sick. Um I forgot about that guitar, yeah. Did you see it?
0: No, uh no, I don't think I ever did.
1: Maybe not. I mean, I didn't have it for super long. I want to say like maybe a month and a half. Um but I mean, to be honest, and to be honest like I could have kept probably any like most of those instruments and like justified it in some way. Um, but it was always like, even then I think it was always like the custom 22 is like, this is I'm making this work in the realm of what I already have or what I would ultimately want to end on. I say end on, but like what at the time was like always the, the carbon or the the fat boy that I didn't have at that point. Yeah. It was like, I could just order one and then I would feel like happy about it and not have it. But um, yeah it, Just trying all this stuff is, is is really really fun like I'm looking over the reverb now and there's like a lot of guitars that uh, like, I don't know if you remember the bass six you had like do you ever think about that one yeah, was,
0: crossover uh, oh yeah yeah right? I was just looking at pictures of that the other day <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like been out of shape I, I sold it but I had to pay rent remember
1: I don't well, I don't remember that you sold it for that, but I do remember you sold it because you sold it on my reverb. Yeah, it's cause I was looking through it and I saw it on there. But
2: you got it in fifteen at the Hansen House.
1: Yeah, that thing. I still got photos of that. I look at it deep it's
0: in the night. On your nightstand. Okay. Yeah, I love that thing. Do
2: they still make it? No, no, no. Flash in a pan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably for a reason. True. Okay, so let's f- forget everything we just said. Money no object at all just forget about it doesn't you know how you're going to get it where you're going to get it from if you have to take it out of a children's mind or something like that it doesn't matter uh what is your dream instrument It, it can be a guitar and a or an electric and an acoustic or an electric and a bass or something like that just like there's no barrier to entry there what would you pick
1: a single guitar? Or are you saying like, there's a pairing? Because you said two, like like It, and it could
0: be like one or you know, like a pairing or just one. If you know,
1: I mean, I'm picking just one. I you got it? All right, go, go ahead. It's the carbon Holdsworth. That's my favorite guitar ever. Uh, but in in a different format than the one you have. Oh, if sorry, I didn't. I didn't, what did I not miss about the question? You said something that we don't already own. Yeah, something. That oh, you don't that already I right. Don't own, already yeah. own. If I could have any other instrument, um. Well, I don't want to pick something that like, doesn't exist because I would just say I would just say a seven string version of that. But like if, if it's something that like I have anything you could pay that bearded bastard at, at Carve or
0: at Kiesel, he would call his own guys and make what and make you one.
1: Yeah, but it's I like I, I wouldn't want to like make it like a custom thing like here's all my ideas together on one thing. I would just pick something that like I really, really want. The
2: inlays are pokeballs.
1: Uh, I don't know. I'll I'll come back to it. Hold on. Let me see. Let me think. All right. You want to go while while we wait?
2: Yeah, I mean, my dream guitar that I want to hopefully buy for myself someday, following some good life achievement, <laughs> mm-hmm. something would be a Martin M twenty eight. That's like my end game acoustic guitar. That's always. Been the one that I think looks the best. All of my favorite players play it. Even as much as I love the bay like the Martin is a slightly you know, like thinner body and a yeah. slightly different neck profile. And like you know, we've definitely had conversations extended about you know paying for the name on the headstock, but that you know those, they definitely have a vibe. And I just think that that would yeah. be like you know a guitar that I would love to have someday and would probably be my number one until I couldn't play anymore.
0: So first on my list is is uh, a USA custom shop Spectre, Um, probably an NS5, Uh, either the double humbucker or the PJ. Um, I I could really go either way, I think. Um, I really love their work and have always been a humongous fan of it. Uh, So that would be my base pick for sure. Uh, guitar is a little more difficult for me. Um, I think it would be, I think at some point I would really like to own one of Misha's, like the super high end Jacksons in one of the car colors that he's made them in. Yeah. Um, I think those are super cool. Um, um, I feel like there's another answer there, but i I can't o- off the top of my head that's what's coming to my mind are those two money no object that's like right there like twelve thousand dollars
1: in yeah, yeah, it's probably either just a custom or a vintage telecaster to be honest it's like i don't i couldn't tell you like the era of one, but I know like my preferences are like. Uh, rosewood slab a Lamb's fine i don't really care that much but I, i'm honestly if i'm assuming whoever's listening is somewhat familiar with that pedal show on youtube dan's yellow telecaster that's probably the telecaster hmm. thing like mm-hmm. looks awesome yeah um mm-hmm. that or some sort of vintage uh gibson les paul jr like a single cut or a double cut's fine too but or the uh yeah double cuts also cool but it would be like tv yellow i would
0: take almost anything out of joe hanamasa's nerdville uh establishment where he has all those super rare vintage instruments
2: yeah that's pretty overwhelming he's he's got a la house and he's got a new york apartment and both of those are museums packed full of-
0: yeah he's got like the first or second strat ever made Uh, um, and it's really heavy he said anyway that's a whole other conversation we want to thank everybody who stuck it out this far with us Uh, this has been episode four Uh, we will see you folks in May thank you all again for listening to the Desert Tones podcast take care thank you guys thank you guys take care
2: now